This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Tech Talk this morning. And um, due to uh, evolving economic pressures, the ADB revised its 2023 growth forecast to 4.7% for ASEAN as global demand weakens. And as such, the financial services sector have to pivot their digital transformation efforts to lower costs, to boost operational efficiency and provide modern user experiences while still maintaining strict regulatory compliance, modernizing IT infrastructure, vital step in digital transformation, but it is known to be costly, time-consuming, and can be a little bit risky. On the phone with me is Pravin Kumar. He's the VP for Asia-Pacific at Rocket Software. They're a global technology leader that develops enterprise software for some of the world's largest companies, including banks and other financial institutions. Welcome to the show, Pravin. How are you this morning? Hey, Richard, thanks for the wonderful intro. I'm wonderful right now. Hope you're good, too. Let's just get straight into it. And and I'm going to ask you straight out, um, what kind of state um, are Malaysia's financial services sector when it comes to digital transformation? Where are they? I think it's very difficult for me to talk about a generic environment other than those that we've seen our customers do, Richard. Mm. Um, I do believe a significant amount of investment has been going on at the top end of the financial sector. And the fact that the government has also released digital banks, and now you have digital banks who are going to operate in the economy. There is a significant focus around how you can um, monetize the entire economy and make sure banking and insurance becomes a core part of every individual, whether it Mm -hmm. be rural or um, the physical. And the fact is digital helps you get to places that you've never been before because of IT reaching mm-hmm. there instead of a physical infrastructure. So I would say Malaysia has been investing a significant amount of resources. The regulator has been fairly upfront in terms of what they want to achieve. There have been mm-hmm. data privacy guidelines issued fairly early in the cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the banks have revamped themselves and some of your banks in Malaysia are some of the biggest ones in the region, in ASEAN. And yeah. the fact that they could scale, develop and expand their business portfolio beyond uh, a country demonstrates the ability for them to handle mature markets like Singapore um, mm-hmm. in, in the region and cater to the ever-needing change of the youth. Right. Now... When you have seen and looked at some of the banks here in Malaysia, and I know that you've helped uh, some of the banks with their, their transformation journey, how many of them, you know, ballpark or were using legacy systems, do you think? Okay, so we had an interesting conversation with one of our partners um, last, just day before yesterday about Malaysia and an event that we want to do there. Um, in the financial sector, we have at least... I would say 70% of them plus use legacy infrastructure. Wow. Um, now you would say, wow, you come to Singapore, 90% of it does. Really? So, yeah. So the interesting part is, and the user doesn't understand this. So you sitting there would not understand, hey, is someone using legacy or not? And yeah. there, is a, there is a reason why over a period, most banks globally 
and some of the largest ones that you could think of um, use legacy infrastructure in the back end for banking, for credit cards, for treasury, for investment banking, for retail, for commercials. Name yeah, the banking yeah. segment. They would, and same goes with insurance. The core insurance platforms that run on legacy. The reason for that is historically, as um, and you rewind 20, 30 years back, as these large entities were smaller at that point of time. In fact, I was talking to a bank CIO in Philippines yesterday, and they moved from number nineteen to one of the top three in twenty years. So when when banks grow along with the economy, which has happened even in Malaysia you would notice that there is a lot of business logic that gets built into the core and gets yeah. transformed because yeah. no one no one can predict what's going to happen over the next seven years. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some economies skip a complete um, revolution in, in IT, right? So some countries mm-hmm. have skipped 3G, they just went to 4G. Some, mm-hmm. some, some people just skipped... The 2G evolution went to 3G, and and some people just skipped the basic phones, just went to smartphones. They don't even know how the basic phones worked. And you're in radio, you talk to the youth today, a lot of them might only talk podcasts on Spotify or something like that, and not radio. What radio is, some of them. Yeah, know. exactly. So it's, it's a matter of how uh, evolution has happened. And when uh, the financial sector is something that, is heavily regulated because it has our money and yeah. rightfully so, right? So the, yeah. the government is very particular about how these insurance and financial entities, including trading companies, secure the funds and how do they use those funds. And that's why a lot of fines are implied on them if what they claim in the market is not enforced in the back end. So mm-hmm. they have to spend a lot of money maintaining the legacy, the processes, the guidelines, the more than 200 regulatory changes happen every day globally, right? More than 200. And some of them impact us, some of them don't. Like a GDPR in Europe impacts Malaysia. You you would say, why would Europe impact me? But if you're a European citizen sitting in Malaysia, it's the mandate of the Malaysian entity to make sure that that data GDPR is followed. So you not only have to look at your country and your uh, state or your city, you got to look at the globe because you're no longer catering only to that cocooned environment. As yes, yeah. I, I was speaking to somebody not too long ago about, I think it was some of the, the major banks in the US as well. And it wasn't just that they were using legacy software. We're talking about stuff like COBOL and, and software that's been around for generations. And it's stuff like the engineers that work on that aren't going to be around for much longer. They won't. You know? Yep. So this yep. this moving uh, and this movement towards digitalization is pretty vital. Um, now, when it comes to banks who are moving digitally and this shift towards changing of software and moving forward, how can banks and financial institutions ensure that that transformation is not too expensive and some of those costs are not put down onto like the customers and their clients because it's a very risky thing isn't it uh, yes and i'll give you some interesting stats and also do some marketing of rocket software while i speak so Please do. Please do. <laughs> so an ieee stat which is available online you know it's not praveen speaking about it says mm. that if the it market globally is about 35 trillion dollars 
and you're spending somewhere close to four to five trillion dollars in modernization, mm. seven hundred, eight hundred million dollars is actually wasted in modernization efforts. So thirty percent of what you undertake, literally, on the modernization front, is wasted by almost every bank and financial institution globally. Now you'll say, "Wow." And I want to know what that wastage is. <laughs> yeah, so I'll tell you what happens. So most banks and most financial institutions think of rip and replace. So they yeah. believe, here's a mainframe, COBOL, same to your knowledge. You're saying mm. AS400 is RPG, it's legacy code. Let me just mm. build this entire new platform on the distributed mm. stack. Mm. Now, the challenge with that, as I said, and you rewind this interview, I said there is history of legacy in the environment a lot of business code that's been into this environment, which needs mm. to be recreated in the distributed side. And when they start recreating it, they understand operational challenges, uh, in interaction challenges. They understand process flows are not working. The, uh, the software scalability becomes a challenge. Processing takes a lot more time than it what used to because mm. some of these changes were fine-tuned to the hardware that was there in the base, whereas in the mm. distributed side of the world, if, if this doesn't work, I add another server. This doesn't work, I add another server. Yeah. If you look at your um, the radio industry or the music industry, and, and my sons are musicians, so kind of see that, there are certain software that cannot use the hardware base. So I cannot scale horizontally. So mm-hmm. if something, if processing is going to take 30 minutes, it will take 30. You know, my being putting another server doesn't make that 30 minutes into 10. And and so goes in the banking process logic or the financial logic. So if I rip and replace and it doesn't work because of any nuance, I have to revert back. So a lot of failures in the financial space or in the modernization journey is when you try to modernize by replacing stacks. And that's one of the taglines we come back and fix, which is modernization without disruption. Mm-hmm. So what we tell the customers is, why do you want to change? Three mm-hmm. basic things. Skills. Mm-hmm. You said COBOL, right? You won't have people who will know COBOL in some time. You have to train a lot of young people. Young people are not excited. The second mm-hmm. part is cost. You know, mm-hmm. because you don't have enough skills, you're pumping in more resources. You, you're, you're not optimizing your stack, so you're actually increasing your stack. So there's hardware cost, software cost, and labor cost that increase. Mm-hmm. Third is time to market which is the most important thing. As you look at the customer as first, so you look at the consumer first, how does the consumer want to con- conceptualize and receive data? You want to modernize every package. And every time you have to come back to the core, which is legacy, it's taking time to build, it's taking time to interface, it's, it's, there is a lot of cost involved in it. And that's where we come and give a solution which says you don't have to do any of this. You put a solution in between, which helps you interact with the modern, with very modern technology like RESTful APIs, without having to learn COBOL, RPG, Fortran, and all of that with a drop-click methodology, and allow the modern distributed systems to continue to develop as much as you can and only keep the core in the back end. Because right now, if I have the core plus 20 other things, you can move the 20 other things there interface with the core, which is the integration logic, and reduce your dependency of development every time there is a change that is needed and do testing and all of that. Uh, yeah. 
Yes. And, and that's where we simplify it at a very cost-effective method. So, so we've and, and I was speaking to a company in Australia which did this API logic. So they're running on a mainframe. They committed to the mainframe for the next 15 years. Three years back, before a solution like this with APIs, they were doing about 50,000 synchronous transactions a day on the mainframe. Otherwise, it was all asynchronous. They do. Mm-hmm. It will come in batches. Yeah, Today, yeah. they're doing 3 million after they built it a day. They want to take it to 10 million. So the scale can be huge without having to increase your cost base because of the mm-hmm. API sets, the process insights that we bring in, and the automation that we bring in in that layer compared mm-hmm. to what people historically have been used to. Now, our problem is we've not marketed it enough, which we started last year. And now we're seeing almost every bank and insurance company talking to us when we speak about the method of how we're doing it to just say, wow, this is amazing. You know, I don't have to worry about the headaches and still modernize my platform. You're seeing stress levels reduce. Yes, significantly. (laughs) (laughs) And then cost reduce and that 30% wastage goes down, right? You don't have to waste logic. And even if you want to move, it helps you. Yeah. Let's take a break here, Praveen. Uh, Folks, I'm on the phone with Praveen Kumar. He is the Vice President for Asia Pacific at Rocket Software. They're a global tech leader that develops enterprise software for some of the world's largest companies, including banks and other financial institutions. We'll be right back after these messages here on BFM 89.9. Burden Free Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome back to Tech Talk this morning. I'm on the phone with Praveen Kumar, uh, the Vice President for Asia Pacific at Rocket Software. They're a global tech leader that develops uh, enterprise software for some of the world's largest companies, including banks and other financial institutions. We're talking about digitalization uh, and a few other bits and pieces. Now, Praveen, um, we've had this movement towards digitalization. We've been told how important it is companies have to be digitized and there is for some customers um, it can be a little bit daunting you know bank digitalization they might not be so familiar with the tech uh, used on the front end uh, they might not be as tech familiar as you or I and they worry about whether or not the, even their physical branch might close down uh, and they can't go in they can't speak to a customer service representative and all of that kind of stuff they have to do everything via their device what's your thoughts on this I think it's a very genuine problem, and that's only part of the problem. There are a lot of people who know how to use the tech but don't want to do it because of the scams that go around. That was going to be my next question. (laughs) (laughs) So so technically, there are two two inherent challenges to digitization. And as much as banks and financial institutions want to digitize, they Mm. do face these hurdles. And that's why... It goes back to why doesn't the bank just rip the old and come to the new, right? And yeah. and yeah. that's that's where the whole challenge exists. The bank cannot say, I'm going to shut down all my branches. Everything's going to be only digital. You can't mm-hmm. do ADMs. Everything's going to be only phone. The bank or the insurance company cannot take that step. And the mm-hmm. moment, if, because if they take that step, they're actually killing their 
entire consumer base who is averse to that. So there is a segment of the consumers who love doing it, and there's a segment who don't. They have to cater to that entire audience. It's almost like yeah. the government trying to balance where they invest funds. So that's that's one of the biggest drivers where banks have to maintain their business process logic. And that's where fintech revolutions come about. So there are these new fintech companies which offer only digital or the digital banking environment, which only offer digital because they're the most countries in ASEAN, except for maybe Singapore, are highly underbanked or underinsured. There is mm. a significant like Philippines, 60 percent underbanked. I don't have the exact stats in Malaysia, but it would be sometimes something very similar. You yeah. take Indonesia, it's something very similar. So there is a large cash economy that's rolling, which is not banked and not insured. And mm. that's where there is a huge potential where you have two addressable markets. And that's why a lot of the larger banks are not having their own digital bank because yeah. they believe that they're leaving it to the companies that run it while they understand that they will digitize content and move in that direction. So mm -hmm. as they do this, and this goes back to the exact question, my branch has to exist because I have a relationship with the branch. That's I'm right. having a community with the branch manager, right. you know, yeah. and banks won't close down branches. It's not going to mm -hmm. happen at least till we, till we are alive. And I, mm -hmm. I would assume even if we live to hundred, that's another 50 years, but, uh, but yeah, the fact is it's not going to shut down. What's going right. to happen is there will be a new age set of banks who will only do digital banking and this large bank may end up buying that bank or, or something at some point of time, it may happen. But We're starting to see that now already. Yes, yeah. but you will see in all of these countries, all of these developing economies, branches are going up. ATMs mm. are going up. Maybe mm. not at the same pace as it was 15 or 10 years back, but it's a net new. It's a net mm. new versus it's growing, whether it's growing 10% or 8% or 12%, it's debatable, but... Mm. They are adding. Now, why would mm. you add if there is no market for it? Mm. Why, so there is a market for it. And that is why um, it's and that's where when I say product rollouts have to be a lot simpler. So what most institutions are trying to do is create the same experience, whether you're in a branch or you're on a phone on your app or whether you visit the website. So they're trying to create a seamless experience. So you go to a branch, you know, you ne earlier you never had a token system. Mm -hmm. Now you do, right? So you're in the queue. You don't have to wait. Now they have SMS alerts, which means you can take your token. If the waiting time is long, you actually go out. You can come back when your time is there. Right? Yes. You don't have so, to sit there and waste your time. Yes. Yeah. So, so they are trying to enhance the experience just the way you would do on a website. You know, just as mm. the website's loading, you would go to another website if you have low bandwidth, right? Mm. So they're allowing you to have the same UX, the same interfacing, the same um, experience of having chatbots, of having users coming on a chat window if they have to help you, having... Uh, integrated platforms to do different kinds of banking and credit card transactions, link them together, make your loans a lot seamless and bring all of that experience just the way you would have had in a branch because they know you. The mm. advantage of a branch is they know how much you earn, where do you live, how much are you, what do you need, are you going to buy a house? Are you going? So all of this is data-driven on the e-world, whereas in the branch world, it's personal-driven and that is what they are trying to bring together. 
Now, of mm-hmm. course, the risks of phishing and scamming is is on the rise when when this is there, and that's been one of the deterrent of people not adopting it. And that's where the regulator has come in in most countries, including Malaysia, and starting to put caps on how transaction volumes are. Right. So sometimes we, as um, higher end bankers, will get upset saying that why do and why am I limited with this? You know, why can't I do that? But the fact is, for every service I offer, there is a scammer available. And for every scammer I offer, I have to do a counter, right? So the banks and the insurance companies are trying to ensure that while you adopt the technology, they will try and protect you. Like the credit card scams were a big thing 10 years back, you know? Mm. You'd say anybody can use the credit card and spend billions of dollars and you'd be stuck. Today, Mm. that doesn't seem to be the fear. The Mm. fear is more... You know, if I'm having a pay wave kind of uh, card, can I just scan it and and remove the money from it? And then that, or else send you a link and then you scan the QR code and all your money's gone. So I think scammers will continue to evolve as new services come in, but it's a learning process. And that's why adaptability and go to market is very quick. Like I said, if today I'm allowed a 5,000 ringgit limit, Tomorrow, if that 5,000 ringgit limit is dropped to 3,000 by the regulator, I can change it on the front end, but the interface on the back end has to immediately work. And that's where our APIs come in and say, bingo, you don't have to recode it. So as they have these dynamic changes which come from the regulator or the business decides to offer it as a service, the ability to have integration capabilities in a seamless way should help. I've been on the phone with Praveen Kumar, the Vice President for Asia Pacific at Rocket Software, a global technology leader that develops enterprise software, some of the world's largest companies, including banks and other financial institutions. If you missed any part of the show, download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. I recommend the BFM app. That's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. I'm Rich Bradbury for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.